You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Honest AF Show with me, Danielle LaClaire. And me, Barbara Ann Wild. Miss Barbara <laughs> Ann Wild. We just taped an, another episode before this yes, one. Yes, we did. So I get you for a couple hours today. How exciting, Miss Barbara I Ann. know. I love coming here. Oh, I love it when you're here. I was going to ask you to come earlier so that we could like lunch and stuff. But then I was like, but if we lunch, then we're going to talk about everything before we talk about it. I know. It's, so. then it's just like, we, we did that once. Remember, we went to brunch. Before yeah. We t- and then we're like, oh, we'll talk about like, that. You're like, you go, shh, 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 save it, save it. Don't say anything. I'm like, <laughs> what are we going to talk about? I guess we could talk about the food or the weather or something. But it's, yeah, exactly. it's we do try to be spontaneous and save it. Exactly. So the other day I told you that I went to, I went to lunch with Dion. I went to brunch with Dion who owns D-Lashes. She does eyelash extensions and she, I can talk about this because she's very public about it. She has been a guest on the show and she is battling breast cancer right now. Yes. And she's winning. And she's uh, thugging it out. She's thugging it out. Yes. Yes. So anyway, I was going to lunch with her and I decided to stop and buy her like a little gift, a little something, something to, you know, just kind of cheer her up or whatever. So I stopped at the little local boutique nearby and I picked her up a little jumpsuit, cute little strapless number. And I ran into our guest for today. So I'll tell you, it's actually really funny. Today, we have a guest in studio with us. Yes, we do. And she is a therapist, and her name is Marla Katz. Welcome, Marla. Hi, Hi, Marla. So it's so funny because Marla goes, oh, excuse me, aren't you the girl that did the Frankie B. Jeans? Aren't, aren't you Daniela? And it was so funny because you don't know this, Marla, but a couple days or a day or so before that happened, every time I go out, I always get oh, aren't you Gilby's wife? Or aren't you, oh my God, you're Frankie's mom. I was at Pilates the other day and my instructor goes, I know who you are. You're Frankie's mom. And I came home and I said to Gilby, I go, I I have no identity anymore. I'm either Frankie's mom or Gilby's wife. Who am I? And then I run into you and you go, aren't you the girl? Aren't you Daniela from Frankie B. Jeans? So see there. You after go. all, I do have my identity. Yes, so you thank do. you, Marla. <laughs> that is how I know you, Frankie yes. B. Yes. It's so tell everybody how we actually first how we know each other. So years ago I had a clothing store in Sherman Oaks uh-huh. and I used to buy Frankie B for the clothing store. Right. And wore it all the time. Mm-hmm. It was 
sexy as fuck. And yep, it was 100% amazing. It was my favorite brand. Yeah. And then we had a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. And we have kids the same age. Right. So it was just a very small world. And then I closed my store. I know. It's so weird because I totally remember your store, Cowboys and Angels. That and you always it. had like really cute stuff in there for kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you carry the kids line there, the Frankie B kids line or just the women's line? I think just the women's line. It might have been either after or before I started a kid's line because I did do for a short time there. I did do a kid's line as well. But I totally remember you and I remember your store. It was such a great store. It was a great store. How long did you have that store? Oh, my goodness. I I don't even recall. I don't remember a lot. I had a brain injury, so I don't really remember my past, but I do remember Frankie B. Yeah. And you are gorgeous. So as soon as I saw you at the store, I was like, oh, there is Daniela and I need to say hi. (laughs) That's so funny. I'm so glad you said hi because then look... It's always these chance meetings it's that always like turn into something. Although uh, every so time cool. I'm with you, when we're walking down the street somewhere, or we're going roller skating. Daniela, <laughs> uh, I'm like, you know, everybody everywhere. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to be on the receiving gifted end of all the wonderful people that she knows because Daniela gets to bring them all to the show, most of them. And or I've gotten to know them at, you know, different things that we've done together and your friends have. I mean, it's just been like the total gift for me. Yeah. It's fun because every time I run into somebody else, I recruit them. (laughs) I'm like, oh, what are you doing now? Oh, that's interesting. Come on. You'll be on the show. So her and I were talking, Marla and I were talking, and I said to Marla, so what are you doing now? Are you still in retail? Are you still doing clothing? Are you in the fashion business? She said, no, I don't do that anymore. And I go, well, what do you do now? She goes, well, I'm a doctor now. I'm like, oh, well, excuse us. Oh, yeah, right? (laughs) You've done a lot with your time. (laughs) Way to go. Make me feel like a failure. So you're a therapist now. I'm a therapist. I went back to school, got my master's, and then my doctorate in clinical psychology, and how did that happen? How did you decide to switch gears like that? Oh, have you always had an interest in psychology? Yes. Actually, when I had the store, I did. You needed to know psychology to deal with a bunch <laughs> of crazy people. Well, before that, I had been in the entertainment industry. And oh, really? Yes. So I. Well, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I always felt like a psychologist. Uh-huh. And then why I had the store, I also in the mornings, I did what It's called a therapeutic companion. Right now, I think we know them as like shadows or behavioral interventionist. Okay. So I had a private practice where I would help facilitate kids in a preschool setting who had some kind of developmental delay. Okay. Yeah. And then I was working with families and then I realized I was kind of out of my scope of practice and decided, oh, I better go back to school, which I did. And then... Got my master's and then had a private practice and then decided I wanted my doctorate because I wanted to do testing Mm. all the while being a single mom of two kids. How did you do that? We were just talking to our previous guest, Alyssa, about that because that's a question I get a lot. Like sometimes I get asked to speak at different functions and different things. And one of the questions that always comes up is people always ask me, how did you balance your, your lifestyle? you know, with your husband being on the road and being in a band and all this stuff with being a mom. And, you know, you're kind of a single mom when you're married to musicians. Let's be honest, right, Barb? Absolutely. (laughs) And, And then also I had this gigantic career. And so it's always hard to kind of balance 
you know, how, you don't you feel like you always feel as a, as a career woman, as a mom, as a wife, as a friend, as a daughter, as a sister, I never feel like I'm actually fulfilling every role. I feel like I'm failing somewhere. Absolutely. If I'm exceeding at work, then I'm definitely neglecting my husband. If I'm great and volunteering at school, I'm definitely neglecting my work. It's always such a hard a balance. Push-pull. It is a hard balance. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where you don't balance. I yeah. Mean, I really am an advocate to, to kind of give some grace that mm. you don't have to balance it. Mm-hmm. You just really need to be authentic to yourself and what is important to you. So if going and being at school and volunteering is going to take away time from your professional career, then that's what you need to do in that moment. So mm-hmm. I don't even try anymore to balance. I recognize I'm going to be a failure in some area, but I need to do what is going to give me pleasure and happiness and mm-hmm. fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard being a woman. Yeah. I was going to say, we, we don't have penises because if we had penises, we wouldn't feel guilt for anything. They don't ever. <laughs> No, they. I mean, honestly, Poor Phil, I, this is another never, Phil segment. Uh, you know, when I, I'm sorry, <laughs> Phil, but it, you know, it's like when you have a penis, you can't find things, and you don't feel guilt for many things. I mean, let's face it. Zach never says, "I'm so." I mean, I'm on the road and I'm touring and I'm loving myself on stage in front of thousands of people, and I really wish I could be at that PTA meeting with you. It never <laughs> happens. <laughs> well, never. You're right in the sense that if we kind of go scientifically and look at the brain, we have larger capacity to make these connections where we want more empathy. We have the capacity for more empathy. We want to connect with one another. So there is scientific evidence to support what you're saying, as well as, I mean, if we go back to the cavemen days, men were out there to provide and women were there to nurture. And I think- we still carry those primitive. There's no evolution. Right? Well, there's the primitive brain, <laughs> right? So, I think it is really hard, and I think that we have people, especially women, who say you can have it all, and I think yeah. that adds to this larger discussion and and this guilt and this worry of like, well, what am I doing wrong if I don't feel. That I'm succeeding at everything. And so I think that there needs to be a real honest conversation that you can't have it all. You can't. You just, I mean, you can have it all, but you can't feel good all the time about everything that you're doing. And so I do feel that this leads into why women have more anxiety, more depression, Mm -hmm. that some of these mental illnesses that we talk about, there's a higher rate in women versus men. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought that was just called, called menopause, but... <laughs> well, we have that too, right? The right. hormonal piece to all yeah. of this. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, women in general, I think, seem to be able to multitask a lot more. But I remember going to see... I went and saw a therapist years ago when my career was like at the top of its... At the peak of my career. And I, I felt like I was losing control. Like everything was kind of like, everything else was falling by the wayside. And I went and I I talked to the therapist and I said, you know, I don't know. I mean, like there's dishes in my sink and the plants are dying because they're not getting watered. You know, all this other stuff is happening. 
because I can't be everywhere at at the same time. I can't do it all. And she said, so what? So let the plant die. Have the dishes in the sink. Don't make the bed. Don't vacuum. Yeah. It's not important. She's like, who cares? It's not important. So what's the, what's going to happen if you, if you don't do the dishes? I'm like, well, it's going to be dirty and I'm not going to be able to handle it. She's like, no, you can handle it. You can let it go. And then, you know, if, if anybody else notices it, well, then they can, they can clean it. You know, we have more demands as women. I, I believe, I I think we, not to get too political, but I mean, we have, our nation is based on a patriarchal society, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's just what it's based on. So I do feel that the demands and the expectation of women Mm -hmm. are very different than the expectation of men. Sorry, Phil. (laughs) But I just think, and then that means that we expect more of ourselves and Mm -hmm. it's just, Mm -hmm. we have to be forgiving. And like I said, we have to have grace and give ourselves grace. Yeah. But you know, you, you kind of mentioned something about both of you about organizing and planning. And again, that goes back to this idea that women have a greater capacity to read nonverbal cues. Research Mm -hmm. of brain images shows that we use our right side of our brains more than men do. And that's where it's kind of our spiritual world and this ability that we pick up this awareness. We have the intuition and right. and we have these right. gut feelings yeah, that yeah. men don't have. Yeah, yeah. So we worry more than men. Yeah. We also hang on to stuff, don't we? Like <laughs> you can get mad at your dude and and you will, I will like sit there and stew over it for weeks where he's over it the minute the conversation's over. You see, <laughs> that, you and Zach are a lot alike because Zach is like that. Oh, me, really? As soon as someone says they're sorry to me. It's gone? Yeah. And if it does still bother me, then it's something major. Like that really hurt my heart. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't do that. But yeah. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that I'm one of seven kids. So if I really held on to grudges from everything anybody did to me forever, I would have never left my bedroom. I would have just been, you know. Yeah, but yeah, I don't do that. But I, I think yeah. it is... By nature, women do do that, but I don't input it. You know, I yeah. Don't. I mean, I don't hold on to grudges, but I will like stew. You remember something. that one I, specific I thing? I file it away, and I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm gonna let you off the hook for that, but I'm gonna remember that. <laughs> I'm gonna pull that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll pull it all out as a yeah. secret weapon when I need to. But you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because one of the things that we always talk about on the show, and you know, we open it up a lot to our listeners, and we ask them, you know, is there something that you want to talk about? Is there something you want us to kind of discuss? And a lot of the things that we get is depression. And especially yeah. especially nowadays with everything that's going on in the world, it's it's hard to get happy, you know? <laughs> it is hard to get happy these days. And a lot of it has to do, you know, there's so many different reasons. A lot of women going through menopause, and I have figured out that also men go through, they also go through, what do you call it? Mid-life. A transition, midlife crisis type thing. Um, the same as women do as your hormones drop and, and, and men's hormones change. Also, they, their testosterone levels drop and they can, you know, get sad and depressed. Also, they can also have a, a lower sex drive. Women can have a lower sex drive. There, there's so many things that can change the way you feel, Where whether it be the news, whether it be hormones, whether it be just, you know, you lost your job and you feel shitty. 
graduation. Right now we're in graduation season, right? right? So kids that are graduating and leaving home, you know, parents that might become empty nesters. That was a big deal for me. And no one really warned me about how I was really going to feel about that. I remember... Because my son is 28, my oldest, my youngest is 14. And I remember taking my son to college and he went on the East Coast. So we flew there together and I left him and I was all stoic and trying to, you know, hold it together, just hold it together because I thought this was a great experience for him. And I forced him to go to the opposite coast. And I got on the plane and there was an empty seat next to me and I burst out into tears. (laughs) And I realized at that moment, my life was never going to be the same Mm -hmm. as I had known it when I got... For the past 18 years. It was a life changer. And when I got back to LA, I felt depressed. It Mm -hmm. was just this huge change in just coming home and Mm -hmm. not having him there. And my younger son, he felt a little depressed. I mean, those kinds of Life events, as exciting as they are, sometimes they ha- change can be frightening. It's so frightening. Yeah. Same thing when my father died. Mm-hmm. You know, a death can yeah make that all those feelings come up, and you can feel depressed after a life event like that. That's yeah, a huge change. Sure. Yeah. So, I don't know if there's certain questions that you're. Well, you know, for me, one of the things that me personally. I was, you know, we talk a lot about this on the show is, you know, just going through menopause, just like recently in the past year, I started going through menopause and I found myself kind of blue, you know, and I'm not like that. I'm usually a very happy go lucky person. Everything's hilarious to me. All of a sudden I started to feel really down in the dumps. And luckily for me, I'm pretty proactive and I know myself really well. So I listened to my cues and I thought, you know what? I'm not feeling all like myself right now. So I'm going to call my doctor and have a conversation with my doctor because this is not me. I know this is not me. So I went and I talked to my doctor and he said to me, you know what? Let's run some blood work and also let's run your hormones because maybe you're going through a little hormonal change. And sure enough, I was very low in estrogen and I chose, and this is not for everybody, but I chose to go on hormone replacement therapy and it evened me out a little bit. So I use a little bit of estrogen and progesterone and it's evened me out and and helped me a little bit. But I have so, I can't tell you how many women have written to me and asked about it because A lot of women don't even know about getting their hormones checked or don't recognize why they're so depressed. They're just, they get into these depressions and they, and like one of my girlfriends, for instance, just recently called me and said, I'm not in a good place. I'm just depressed and I just don't, I feel shitty about everything and I'm not sleeping and nothing sounds like fun to me anymore. I don't enjoy anything anymore. And all classic signs of depression. D- yeah. And I said to her, I go, you're depressed. You are suffering from depression. And I think that you need to go get your hormones checked. And even if it's not your hormones, at least you cross that off your Absolutely. list. You know, process of elimination. Let's start there. And I think that sometimes... You know, you have to also 
kind of push yourself out of it. Because if you go down that rabbit hole and you stay down there too long and go too deep, it's harder to get yourself back out. You're talking about so many important factors and just kind of going back to estrogen. So yes, women, when they start menstruating through menopause, all of those hormonal changes really do have an impact. They have an impact on the brain. So there is research that suggests that estrogen is associated to serotonin, Mm. and that's a stress hormone. And so like cortisol, that affects the brain areas that process emotions. So it's all linked together. And I, you know, one of the things that I do in my practice is I really think that educating women Mm -hmm. is so important. Yeah. You know, first of all, depression, it affects so many different people. Yeah. And even though it affects a lot of people, there's a lot of downplaying of it Mm, mm because there's a lot of misinformation. Right. So people think that they're not depressed because they're not feeling blue or they're not feeling sad. You don't have to feel blue or sad to actually be depressed. So there's, we have something called the DSM, which is what we use as this framework to give diagnosis. So like a diagnosis of depression. And there's eight different types of depression, but we'll just generalize depression. And if you can think about it, out of those nine factors that you have to kind of check, you only have to check five of them to have a diagnosis. Okay. So imagine you only have to have five of those things, how then depression can look so different. In everybody. In everybody. There's thousands of different ways that depression can then present. Mm-hmm. So just because depression might appear like, you know, certain ways in you, it doesn't mean that that's what it's going right. to appear in me. Right. And then there's a difference between how it appears in children versus adults or men versus women. There's so many different factors. So I think that, first of all, that was great advice to give um, to your friend. But I do think that one of the most important things is to know like, that we are all, every single person is going to at some point in their life either have had mental illness, which is depression, falls under that category, or we are going to know somebody mm. that has a mental illness. So it's either going to be us or someone that we know. Right. And it, in, especially depression, but all mental illness impacts the way that we learn. It impacts our work. It impacts our play. It impacts every aspect of life. Right. And we don't always recognize that. And so it's so important that... First of all, we have this conversation, so I thank you both for letting this happen because there's such a stigma, and that provokes shame and isolation, and then you avoid getting help. But if we're speaking just about depression, isolation is such a key factor here that you don't want to be around people when you feel depressed. So then you're further isolating yourself, and then you do go down yeah, it hole. exasperates it. Yeah, exactly. It's awful. Yeah, and I, I have found that in my experience with certain people in and out of my life that that have been suffering with depression or some type of mental illness, the first thing they seem to do is isolate. They don't want to talk on the phone. They don't want to text. They don't want to see you. They don't want to go near you. They just isolate. And the minute that happens, you know that they're, you know, they're going down that rabbit hole and you got to reach them somehow. Yes. You just show up and yeah. even bring them a coffee or flowers or try and get them out for even just to walk to, 
to the driveway. Yeah. Mint is really important. And yeah. just even if it's a minute to just have some kind of connection to somebody, mm-hmm. animals are really great. Even just to have that responsibility and that connection mm. to an animal. Yeah. You know, one of the things is we don't know a lot about depression. We know a little bit. I mean, just like mm-hmm. we only know a little bit about the brain. So we know some factors that cause depression. But if you also think you, we talked about hormones. Yeah. But there are biological aspects such as genetics. Right. Hormones is also in that category. I also mentioned neurotransmitters. So if you think about that, there's things in the brain that are happening that you can't see. Yeah. And you don't learn that in school. So you don't know. And you just feel like, oh, I can get over it. Depression is just something that happens to people who aren't being active or who, Mm. um, you know, don't have friends or aren't in a relationship. But there are things that are just going on in your brain that you have no control over. And so I think that that's a really important... Because sometimes it could just be a chemical imbalance and they need to be balanced. They need to... Right. Well, my daughter has Hashimoto's and your thyroid. I mean... it it's like the thermostat of your entire body. Yes. So that needs to be, I mean, it goes hand in hand with depression. And she's probably on medication. Absolutely. My sister, both yeah. my sisters have it. She'll be on it. For she had rest. it as a juvenile, 10 years old. So she'll she'll be on medication for life. It's yeah. an autoimmune, hers is autoimmune in nature. And it's, you know, usually those kind of things are more severe if you get them as a child, like diabetes or it's not a lifestyle. Her thyroid is autoimmune in nature. But they told me right off the bat, it goes hand in hand with depression because it's hypo, so everything's low. Mm -hmm. And that's why sometimes people that have hyperthyroidism, they get mislabeled or they have bipolar they go manic they get manic Mm -hmm. because their 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 thermostat set too high or it could be set too low and so you know the pituitary hormones regulate so many things too i know a good friend of ours has a a pituitary tumor that made her completely depressed Mm -hmm. Um, what is your specialty in your practice how do you i laugh because you know when i first started out I was working with children, and then I did an internship, my training at a psych hospital, and I was scared shitless to be working (laughs) with adults because I'd only been working with children. Right. And at the time, my supervisor, he was interviewing me, and I told him of my fear, and he said, he was fantastic, and he said to me, in order to understand adults you need to know children. So all of your experience is going to make you perfect for this job. And so I worked at the psych hospital and it was dual diagnosis. So there was mental illness along with addiction. And I remember my first day, I had somebody who was bipolar and she was in the midst of mania. And I had no, really didn't think I knew what to do. I just kept remembering, okay, what would, she, what would you do if she was a child? How would you manage this? So to answer your question, my specialty, if I had to name it, would be families. Okay. So I do a lot of work with 
parenting and with children, but I don't work with children unless I work with the whole family system Mm -hmm. because it doesn't make sense to have a child do work and then not change the system. Yeah. It makes kids feel helpless and hopeless because they're out, you know, parents are the ones that are controlling all of the the households, like when you go to school, if you can Mm -hmm. go out, social media. And so if kids are making any type of movement or change and parents aren't, it doesn't work. Mm. So I work with a family system, but then I also, so my youngest clients, I actually do prenatal. So I work with couples trying to also understand that men have a role in the family system even before a baby comes into this world. So I do a lot of couples work. Yeah, because that's a big thing too, is a lot of women will alienate. They're the gatekeepers. Yeah. And they want to do everything themselves for the baby and they don't let the men really get involved. And then then the men feel alienated. Yes. And and talk about depression. Right. Yeah. And so we do a lot of work around women not gatekeeping. And Mm -hmm. even though men might not parent in the way that they would, children need both styles of parenting. And then my oldest client at the moment is 88. Um, So I have everything in between. But I would say my referrals are really about children and then moms and dads who come just kind of trying to figure out, as you were mentioning, they're identified as either being somebody's spouse or the parent of somebody. And how do we get that identity back? Where, you know, who are they as individuals? But honestly, I feel like in my practice, I don't have a specialty. It's more of like I refer out. So I'll refer out with drug addiction and I'll refer out with eating disorders. Okay. But everything else I handle. Yeah. Which actually, it's funny that you said that because it all goes back to your identity is something that you struggle with when your kids go off to college. Because when Frankie went off to college, I wasn't prepared for all that. I thought... Oh, cool. She's going to have her own experience. She's going to go to college. She's going to have so much fun. This is going to be incredible for her. And then after I moved in, I did the same thing you did. I was stoic. I was fine. I helped decorate the room. We made it look super cool. I walked out and lost my shit in the parking lot. And and then I was like, who am I now? Right. Now, who am I? What what do I do now? Because what I'm used to is catering to, to her. Right. And then Gilby was like, well, you do have a husband, you know, <laughs> hello, I'm here. But so, everything shifts. This is it such, shifts. And nobody yeah. tells you that. I remember, and I'm sure you guys can relate, you know, even being pregnant. Yeah. And you read these books, but nobody really explains to you yeah. what it's actually like and then giving birth. Yeah. And what is it like to actually go through all of that and then suddenly have this person yeah. in your life? And if you have postpartum depression, yeah. we don't talk about it. Yeah. I do mommy, I don't want to say mommy and me groups, but I do mom groups. So I have right. a lot of groups where there are moms. And one of the things that I think is unique to the groups that I run is that I really give space for moms to say, I don't always want to be a mother. Sometimes I don't like mm-hmm. my child. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't want this role yeah. without feeling that shame, that yeah. you can have those feelings and honor them without feeling like somebody's going to judge you or yeah. that 
you're a bad mom because you don't always want the job or like your kid. Mm-hmm. You know, we can say that we don't always like our partners and our girlfriends yeah. can, you know, align with that. But when we talk about our responsibility to our children, it's taboo. Yeah. And so that also leads to depression, right? Mm-hmm. That something's going on and you're having these feelings and these issues and you can't find anyone to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So kind of going back to what you were talking about, there are so many things that lend itself to depression. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I think, Barb, you were talking about like the difference in temperament. Mm-hmm. And so we have temperament. And we just come into the world with our temperament. Personalities get developed. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you come out, you have your temperament. Are you easy to, you know, to kind of warm up? Are you slow to warm up? Are you, you know, did you have a colicky baby? Mm-hmm. So my two boys, my oldest one was easy, easy, easy. And my youngest one, it was the most challenging baby ever. Mm. That's depressing. You know, yeah. it's not what you expected. Yeah. Especially when you have a really easy baby. Yeah. And then you don't. And so that lends itself to all of these crazy, confusing feelings. And mm-hmm. when I would talk to people or even pediatrician or my own doctor, I was really dismissed. I had many different therapists mm-hmm. trying to figure out, you know, how I was feeling. And I would just kind of get that nod, you know, if you've ever been into therapy and therapists yeah. just kind of nod yeah. their heads. Yeah. And I was like, there's got to be more to this. And so that also was kind of this kickstart of like, I need to go back to school, figure all of this out. Because maybe there's other women like me who are mm-hmm. really trying to problem solve, but yeah. they're just getting that therapeutic nod without any dialogue that is useful, useful or helpful or feeling connection. Yeah. So, and I guess as you asked me, what's my specialty? I wouldn't say it's a specialty, but I love working with women. Mm -hmm. I love empowering women. Um, We're really marginalized in so many ways. I even feel that sometimes in therapy, I've gone to different therapists over the years for different for different things, situational things that have come up in my life. And there have been a couple that make you even feel worse because you're, you you go in with the situation thinking, this isn't my problem. This is so-and-so's problem, but I'm being affected. And then it's like, well, this is what you're doing wrong. You're doing this, this, this. Like, if I wanted to go and be told that I'm doing shit wrong, I mean, that was the whole point of coming here is so that I don't feel this way. I think a lot of times it's nice to see that your approach is to empower the person that comes to see you as opposed to beating them up. Because I found that there are times that therapists kind of take sides and they kind of make you feel even worse about the situation. So that's why I was asking you, like, what's your specialty? Like, what is your, I mean, is it, what, if, if I came to you and I'm depressed, what is your methodology? What how, like, Excellent question. So I am what we call psychodynamically trained. Okay. So... It's a big word. Basically, what it means is that I actually give a tremendous amount of that what happened in your childhood actually 
is relevant to who you are as an adult. So your personality development is pretty much rooted in your early attachment and all of your early childhood experiences from the moment you came out into this world to present day. So, and I love the brain. The brain is so fascinating and I could just spend probably hours talking about it. But what happens is when, I don't know if you guys know this, but when you are born, your brain is smooth. So when we see pictures of the brain and you see all of like the little like crevices, Mm -hmm. your brain is really smooth. And those, we get all of those like little wrinkles. Those are all worry lines, aren't they? You know, that's so funny that you said that. Fucking brain needs Botox now too. It's experiences. So every time you have an experience and you're connecting to others and to the world, your brain kind of folds in on itself and it creates all of those crazy crevices in your brain yeah so wow that's crazy it's crazy it's really really amazing i did to not think. know that now i'm gonna now i'm gonna just be on imagine the computer all night brain. Today. just imagine no just imagine what that looks like yeah if he could make it naked and show it to me he would <laughs> <laughs> so we have to really take that in consideration so i teach college as well because uh-huh. i'd love to just i'd love to mentor people and just empower everyone to know as much as they can about themselves. So if you think about that, we don't have a lot of experiences. Imagine what that does to your personality. So I lost track. What were, were you asked me a question? I was asking your methodology. So okay, if I were, thank yeah. you. So <laughs> my methodology. So being psychodynamically trained and having this understanding that your early childhood then creates your personality and who you are today and how patterns of relating and behaving emerge from your early childhood experiences, that is so important. And we have to start taking note of how these patterns formed. So most people will go to therapists who have like behavior, like CBT or DBT. That's what I, okay. That's what I wanted to ask you. Yes. So I have training in all of that because sometimes, especially with anxiety and depression, anxiety can be comorbid. They can coexist. We need to have some CBT just to be able to be able to do some kind of talk therapy. But I really believe in just having conversations and talking about what happened when you were younger and making connections then to the present day. For instance, and I can't give too much away, but I had a client just the other day who is separated and was really trying to figure out why she was having so much trouble with the fact that her husband has a friendship with a woman that he had sex with not too long ago. It was during their separation and they allowed Mm. for this open relationship, but they're now really trying and he's still friends with her. And so I really brought it back to what that was like when she was growing up and made that connection for her. And it was this epiphany of like, oh, now I get it. Now I get why there's so much shame attached to this. Now I get why I feel so guilty. And then she was able to leave the office feeling really empowered, being able to know that 
she's not crazy. Yeah. That it's not an unrealistic expectation, but that this, what I call this little girl, because we all have our little kids inside yeah. of us. Or our moms. Right. Well, <laughs> I find that I'm, I I say things sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, I'm my mother. I've turned into my mother. But, <laughs> and you're right. But the thing yeah. is, is that we have these little kids, whether, and I call them little girls because we're women, but Phil would have little boys. So we have these injuries. How that, adorable, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have these injuries that happen to us. So like, let's just say um, you were three months old and your parents took a vacation and left you with grandparents. Mm -hmm. So that's your first experience of abandonment. Yeah. Then let's say you're two years old and you get dropped off to a daycare and you don't have the language to really understand what's going on. So then there's another, what we call little trauma of another form of abandonment. Mm. And then something like that happens at six and then at eight and then 10. And now let's say you're 16 and your boyfriend said that he's going to give you a call or send you a text because we don't call anymore. He's going to send you a text and you're looking at your phone and there's no text. And you keep staring at that phone and there's no text. And then you text and the boyfriend doesn't text back. We can go back to, is it that two-year-old? Is it that three-month-old? Something is happening is that's emerging where you are feeling that abandonment. So now you're going to act out, let's just say, at that six-year-old self. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to throw like a mini tantrum like you would as a six-year-old. And so it's about then partnering and understanding and acknowledging that you have all these little traumas and that your first reaction is to act out yeah. as that little kid because you felt powerless. But now, right, I'm 54. So now I can act out as a mature, empowered 54-year-old, mm -hmm. that I don't have to be that little kid, that I can actually kind of, what would we do to our real kids? Mm -hmm. If they were feeling a certain way, we would hold them. We would tell them everything was okay. And do you guys ever, you all have seen uh, Wizard of Oz? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. My favorite part of Wizard of Oz, if you guys can imagine, if not, go Google it. But there's a scene in The Wizard of Oz where Glenda the Good Witch, the house had just fallen on the Bad Witch, right? Mm -hmm. And all the munchkins are, you know, saying they're really scared, something bad's going to happen. And then Glenda comes and she puts her arm around Dorothy and tells Dorothy everything's going to be okay. And then the Bad Witch sister comes and, you know, sees the ruby slippers on Dorothy and is making all these threats. And Glenda just kind of wraps her arm around Dorothy and then points and says, be gone. Right. Right. And really, we all need to be our own Glendas of mm -hmm. really saying that all of those bad things that we think are going to happen, they're not going to happen, that we have that inner power to move through. So that's kind of my modality. Okay. I think that's the most empowering because otherwise I think we play whack-a-mole and not to dismiss all these other modalities. But if we are doing CBT, you're not really getting to the root of what's happening. You're going to find a way to take control of a negative thought and maybe replace that with a behavior, but it might pop up someplace else. So maybe you're nail biting, but then that turns into pulling your hair with my modality, the way that I work, we get to the root 
And so you're not playing whack-a-mole. You're not replacing mm. one behavior mm-hmm. for the next. Yeah. And it's a it's a process. Yeah. It's not brief therapy. You know, it's not just like you're going to come in for six sessions, but works. What are what do you think are some like key like some key tips on how to kind of get yourself some help or get yourself through a bad period. I know people that are depressed because they lost their job and they're having financial problems. I have people that are depressed because they're going through a bad divorce, a terrible breakup. I have people that are depressed that are single because they're dating and they can't find any fucking guy to get into a relationship with. Um, (laughs) There's also, there's men that are depressed that they're, you know, they're having issues with career changes or not being able to provide like they used to, or they're getting older or, you know, they're having, you, you know, there's so many reasons why people get depressed and feel hopeless. And I think like one of the things I always tell like my girlfriends when they when they feel like that and they're really sad is I'm always like, well, I'm coming over and we're going to go out. We're going to get you some fresh air. We're going to go take a hike. We're going to go get some lunch. We're going to go get some retail therapy, girls. Yes. Because that works. <laughs> but, you know, like there's is there like a good, you know, like five or six things that you can do to kind of snap out of it and get yourself some help? Yes. But what I, and I think your suggestions are amazing. And again, even though we have all of these various reasons, if we go back to the science, it's really because of the brain, right? So we have these things called neurons that send messages to the brain. And those neurons rely on chemical messengers, which are neurotransmitters. Those neurotransmitters are responsible for body functions, right? So breathing, walking, our blood pressure, our heart rate, our mood, our pleasure, our appetite. And so oftentimes when we have these stressful things happening, it's impacting our brain, these neurotransmitters. And so when you go for a walk, when you have sex, when you eat, When you drink water, all of these things then impact what you can't see, which is your brain. And so there's so many things that you can do. The first thing would be, I think it's really, really important to write. I think it's important Mm -hmm. to write down to journal. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling? Get it out of your system. Because as we talked about, you don't really want to talk. You're isolating. Yeah. And, so and that's e- the hardest part is reaching someone that's depressed. Because a lot of times when people get depressed, they isolate. They don't take your call. Right. They don't answer your text. They don't want to answer the door. They don't want to come out of their house. They're feeling they're vulnerable. Depressed. Right. Yeah. And they're feeling so vulnerable that yeah. no one's going to understand. And they're going to be judged. And so that's why I always say to my clients, Journal, 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 because you can write everything down Mm -hmm. and you don't have to feel vulnerable. And when I say write, it doesn't mean that you actually have to physically take pen to paper, even though I think that's fantastic. You can record it. Mm -hmm. You can type it in your computer. There are so many different ways, but just somehow find a way to journal and get that out. And when you say journal, do you mean like, let's say you're like writing a note in your phone. Today, I feel blue because of blah, blah, blah. Like, should you give, like, should you describe what you're feeling? I always think that's a great thing, but I will settle for just, just bullet points, Mm -hmm. you know, and it could be a bullet point about anything. I'm so angry and I feel 
you know, why me? Why did I lose my job? Or why mm-hmm. can't I find a guy? Whatever it is, you just start someplace because that start is then going to lead to expansion. Then you're going to start getting in touch with how you're feeling. And then you might reread it. You might want to add details. You also are keeping track of, Mm -hmm. well, do I feel as blue today as I did yesterday? And wait a second, I just went on a walk with Daniela. I actually feel a little better. So maybe I'm going to go on a two-hour hike instead of a 30-minute walk. So I love the fact of just starting someplace with journaling. That's really Mm -hmm. important. Um, I think listening to music is great, even if it's depressing music, listening to music because it actually impacts the brain. Uh So we'll get to just some basic Sometimes you'd need a good cry with a good depressing song. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) absolutely. But diet. Diet is really, really important. So oftentimes when you feel depressed, you either don't eat or sometimes you might do the opposite and you overeat. Yeah. And then you, of course, want the junk food. You want the sugary food. You want the processed food. Comfort food. Comfort food. Yeah. But what science has proven is that you want to eat all the colors of the rainbow, especially if we're talking about serotonin and all these different things and fiber. Because one of the things that we didn't touch upon is depression also has somatic it's in your body. Mm-hmm. So you might get headaches or dizziness, or you might get constipation or diarrhea, or you might just have muscle aches. But mm-hmm. depression physically hurts our bodies. Yeah. Oh, and then totally. We go to like the when doctor. you're nervous, your stomach is in knots. Right. You know? But yeah. we go to the doctor and the yeah. doctor's like, oh yeah, nothing's wrong with you. But we don't think about it that it's really our state of mind. It's our emotional state. Mm-hmm. And so we can't neglect that. And so a diet is is something that we have to really pay attention to. So limit processed foods, eat lots of vegetables, drink lots of water, stay away from alcohol. We talked about... Because alcohol exasperates it? Alcohol exasperates it, yes, mm-hmm. because it keeps you... Sometimes, I don't know if you guys know people who are addicts, mm-hmm. but they have depression. And Mm -hmm. what happens is when they take whatever drug of choice, they don't feel that depression because it's- They're numbing. They're numbing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as soon as the drug or alcohol wears off, then they go back to that dark place. Mm -hmm. And so that's what kind of that cycle keeps happening. Right. And so alcohol, drugs, unless they're prescription, but we don't want to abuse this the prescription drugs. We talked about walking, getting some physical exercise, yeah. diet. Exercise and, and eating healthy alone can make you feel like you're doing something good for yourself. And Right. And then sleep. Yes. Yeah. Having enough sleep. And so, and we kind of go back to sex. So if you have a partner or if you don't, masturbation is fantastic. You know, again, that goes back to releasing endorphins. And so yep. sex is a natural antidepressant. Even if you have those physical... Great. Zach's going to hear <laughs> so much trouble. Fucking fantastic. <laughs> so even... I just got prescribed, like Zach. like a depressed bar. Yeah. <laughs> Bend over. <laughs> I have the perfect cure for you. <laughs> it is. I'm telling you. And even like when you have a headache, especially even if you're going through menopause or that yeah. PMSing and we say, oh, not tonight, honey, because I have a headache. Yeah. It actually is a benefit. Instead of staying away from it, it would be important to have sex because it really is 
this natural release of endorphins and yeah. it helps with neurotransmitters. And then think about it. It also after gives you connection. Having, of course. Yeah. And just that physical yeah. touch. But yeah. after you have an orgasm, think about it. How like calm do you feel? Yeah. And then you sleep really well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's another one of my like, I mean, obviously you have to be an adult and mature enough to have sex. Yeah. But that would definitely be something that I think is 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 really empowering and helpful. I think that you said sleep. What about I mean, I know so many people that have been going through insomnia. Yeah. Do you advocate them taking something or what what do you tell someone that says to you, you know, I just can't sleep? I have, you know, and that's the worst because they can't sleep. Their brain's going and they're thinking about everything that's making them. Yeah. Sad. Right. And so that's interesting because there's two sides of the coin, right? There's people who sleep 24 seven that are depressed, that yeah. are depressed. Yeah. And then there are people who yeah. have insomnia. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, oftentimes, you know, kind of what I'll say just generically, oops, generically is depression is kind of the worry of the past and anxiety is the worry of the future of the unknown. And so oftentimes that's why they go hand in hand. And so the insomnia is typically because of that anxiety, mm-hmm. of that constant worry of the unknown. So, so again, journaling, because get it out of your head, right. write it down so you don't have to keep processing it. And then the diet, obviously, of yeah. course, right? Because you mm-hmm. don't want to have caffeine right before you're going to bed. But that's when, you know, I can't prescribe medication, but that's when I say, speak to your doctor. Yeah, Melatonin mm-hmm. is often a great way to go. And- there are things that your doctor, you know, speak to your, your whether if you see a, psych, a psychiatrist or your medical, any medical doctor that you might yeah. see, yeah. talk to them about it and have them really talk about the medic, the medication piece to yeah. it, because that yeah. can be really helpful. Yeah. But what I say is, this is where you have to be, journaling's helpful, because are you watching TV? Are you on the screen? Are you paying attention to social media? All of those things should be like two hours before you go to bed. You should not be on any screen. By the way, what were you going to say? Oh, I remember. (laughs) So no screens. And then, you know, it's it's so hard to say, how do you get rid of the insomnia? Um, But that is why I think exercise is really important because it's going to tire you out that's how I feel I feel like if when I exercise by the end of the day I'm exhausted because I've been out and I've been active and also taking melatonin on a regular basis is a good idea because a lot of people think it's like one of those things that you just take and immediately you fall asleep but you have to it has to build in your system and you have to take it on a regular basis because as you get older you make less and less melatonin Mm -hmm. so it's kind of important to just Mm -hmm. take it as a daily supplement yeah and then some doctors are prescribing certain edibles. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I do that. I love that. I take an edible. It's a sleep gummy that I take at night, and it it's it's great. There's those really tinctures. I mean, there's a yeah. lot that you yeah. can do yeah. that I would say are sleep aids. 
And then once you can start getting that sleep under control, then you can start working because you have to have a good night's rest. Yeah. Right. And then after you get the good night's rest, then you can start working on these things th- during the day. Mm-hmm. And then again, it's that expansion of coping skills um, that you can then work on. And then slowly but surely, you'll understand that what you do during the day is going to help you at nighttime. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 It makes a lot of sense. Well, I think that that's a good place to end. What I would like to do is if you can tell people how they could find you. Do you have an Instagram or a website? I don't. My website is in the process of. Okay. Just reach out to us if you but want what to talk you, to They her. can do is they can actually, they can email me. Okay. So my email, is that okay to give that Yeah. Totally. My email is my name, Marla, M-A-R-L-A, Katz, K-A-T-Z, at makeanythingpossible.com. Org. Ooh, I like that yes. email. That's a nice positive message right in itself. Yes, <laughs> Wait, before we sign off, I have one more question for you. What is the best way to reach out to somebody who you feel is struggling and is shutting you out? So that's an excellent question. And they're shutting you out because they don't want to be lectured and they also don't want to yeah. be diagnosed. Which I'm the queen of lecture, by the way. <laughs> so I think the best way is to talk about the observable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm noticing that every time I call, you're not answering my calls. Or if I invite you out, yeah. you're not accepting the invitation. And I am here, like I, something's happening and I am here, I'm your friend and we can do this together. I'm yeah. going to support you. And you really have to be, you have to show up. Yeah. They're not going to show up for themselves. And so you have to show up for them. And so if that means you drop off groceries or you bring them a coffee or you say, I'm going to come over to walk your dog or cook you a meal even if they stay on the couch or in their room, just knowing that you are there mm-hmm. is, it's such a gift. It, mm-hmm. it is, I hear this all the time from my clients who come back, they kind of hit the low of the lowest. And then when they're emerging and they will always say, when I was at my lowest point and my friends or my family, they just kept showing up. And even though I was not accepting, I was rejecting all of that. It meant so much because you are telling them that they are loved and you are telling them that you want to be connected. And that message resonates. And mm. it takes away that feeling of hopelessness and mm-hmm. worthlessness. They just can't express it. So just keep showing up mm. without any expectations. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Wow. Well, that was very helpful, Ms. Yes. Marla Katz. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, really loved having you on. I really appreciate it. And hopefully, whoever w- is listening, it helps you out one way or another, either for yourself or for someone you know. Uh, and you heard it here first. Go have sex. You'll feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Daniela. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if there are any topics that you want us to discuss 
or products that you want us to chat about or search out, hit us up on our socials. Honest AF Show is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. HonestAFShow.com is our website. Until next time, bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. We obviously need to do a disclaimer here. So we want you to know we are not doctors or experts by any stretch of the imagination. We are just a couple of gals that are looking for magical products, procedures, and experiences. And in our quest, we will share our honest as fuck opinions with you. So please make sure before you try anything we talk about that you know your own restrictions and do so at your own risk. Not blame us for any of your issues. We're just experimenting too.